thank you for listening to the Gibraltar Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Kushan Kupchant, and I have four guests today. Two from the Young GSLP, that would be Max McGiffen and Brandon Perez. And two from the Young GSD, that would be Christopher Edwards and Mark Montegrifo. I'd first like to start off by telling any listeners who have been under a rock for the last day that the GSLP Liberals won in a near landslide victory. And I'd like to ask Brandon from the Young GSLP, what do you think about that? I think that was, uh, it was bound to happen. Everyone was talking about how it was going to be a landslide and about how the GSD have gone the wrong way around it. And uh, to be honest, I think that that is the case. Uh, Fabian is doing outstandingly and I think that he's what he's done for Gibraltar in the past four years is better than they have ever done in 16 years. So, What do you think went wrong in the GSD's campaign? I think the way that the candidates all together as a team, I think that the way that they come together isn't really as well as the GSLP come together. Everyone in the GSLP, they come across as one team and we all agree with each other. That's what I personally think. And uh, the GSD, I think that they're all a bit all over the place and everyone agrees and disagrees with different things and different policies. All right, and Chris, what do you think about it? Well, with brutal honesty, one thing I've got to say is that never in Gibraltar's political history has anybody won a, lost an election after one term. So I thought it was very, um, it, it was obvious that the GSLP were going to win after their first term because it's, nobody's ever lost after, a, after one term. It's absolutely ridiculous to think that the GSD would have won. I mean, our team, composed of mainly new candidates, would have found it very difficult to um, beat the GSLP's 16-year culminating um, candidate plan. Surely you're not saying that it was impossible for the GSD to have oh, won this election? Absolutely not, but it would have caught, it, it would have needed a near miracle, really, because of really the circumstances of the... the the fact that they've just had their first term, meaning that everybody has very high hopes for them. Everybody's kind of seeing all of their new capital projects. You know, let's not go into how they've been funded, but all of their new capital projects, which are very nice, very shiny, that's what people want to see. So obviously... But I actually think this goes to show the inherent loser mentality in the GSD. I mean, really, I'd go to say that the fact that you've come out and you've said that they weren't expected to win, what kind of party goes into an election not expecting to win? I'd say in this case the GSD wouldn't expect to win based on the manifesto or policy booklet that they've released was nowhere near as ambitious as the manifesto that we put out four years ago. <coughs> I think it's almost like there's a, a loser mentality in this. Well, I think, I mean, there's a couple of things I should pick up on, really. Um, firstly, I'd have to correct my, my friend Chris, who said that never has there been a government who, who have been, uh, or rather, uh, ejected from the House or at least lost an election after the first term. It happened once, uh, I think that was 1969 or thereabouts with IWBP, maybe in the 70s. Um, so yeah, it's very, very rare indeed. Um, I think though, um, I'd like to take issue with a couple of things that Brandon at least said, that so the GSLP come across as a team. I think some of us are liberal party, GSLP liberals, same alliance. Um, the way that at least, you know, Joe Bosana's come out talking about Fame Garo or about Drama oh, yeah. doesn't seem like a team at all. That is uh, obviously uh, a worry, I think, for the community. But, um, you know, uh, they've voted them in. 
they can't be that much of a worry, obviously. <laughs> um, and the Belgian limited by a margin now. But when it, when it comes to why did the GSD, why did the GSD lose? I think that's the conversation that the parties will have introspectively um, for the next uh, few weeks and possibly even months. Um, it's definitely disappointing results. Uh, they've got to now think what what was it? Was it the the manifesto? Was it set of, was it the policies that were rejected by the electorate? Were, yes. were, was it the candidates? Personally, I would say it was the campaign. I mean, the GSD didn't yeah, run as too. a high-quality campaign in comparison to what the GSLP Liberals had. And I think that they had a stronghold in terms of the elderly as well. I mean, the senior citizens, they had a block of individuals in that demographic that were going to be voting for the GSLP Liberals without a doubt. I think at the end of the day, we're here emphasising how weak the GSD were as an opposition. But I think we also have to focus on the strengths of the GSLP Liberal Alliance, which has been looked over in many ways because of the opposition that we've had. Many people have attributed our election victory not to our successes in government, but down to the failures of the opposition. I think <clears throat> that's a very significant thing. I mean, if you, you've just got to look at what we've done over the past four years. Not only have we renovated old social <clears throat> houses, council houses that have been completely ignored by the GSD for 16 years, but we've also done things that the GSD have even neglected to mention in the manifesto. Like, for example, I take issue with the fact that they did not mention gaming in their manifesto. Oh. This is an industry that makes up 20% of our GDP and contributes over one f- <clears throat> sorry contributes over 6,000 jobs to our economy, and yet they don't even think it deserves a mention in their manifesto. I think that's ridiculous, honestly. Well, Mark, I know that you were involved in partially in the policy-making process for the GSD. What do you think about that? Well, I, I was obviously involved in matters concerning youth and education, so it kind of went into employment and maybe sort of sports and uh, careers and that kind of thing, training. Um, I was not involved in anything to do with gaming or... or, or well, clearly, you didn't or, have or, anything or, in the manifesto. Or, 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 yes, to be honest. Indeed, indeed. And, and one thing that Jason could consider is, is was, the, was the manifesto, or the way the manifesto laid out, was that, um, you know rejected as well was was that one of the big um reasons why we didn't get elected or we didn't do as well as we hoped we did um i think that that in a way the manifesto was laid out in, in, in the way it was was because that uh, we wanted or the gsd wanted to, to to be very simple with the people really straight have the the main policies out like like the the, the kind of the, the rook policy the rook education policy the stadium and you know the the, the power station as well all right well I know we decided on discussing education as one of the first and most important um, parts of this episode here, but I'd like to discuss something else beforehand, and that is the upcoming potential thought of a Brexit and how that may affect Gibraltar. Mark, Chris, do you think that the GSD would be able to handle the Brexit situation better if they were to have come into power? Chris? I'm not entirely sure, and I'm not very well read on the subject of Brexit, but I am, I am very, um, I have a lot of trust in Daniel Featham, and I do believe that he had the best policy regarding Brexit. I'm not entirely sure of Fabian Picardo's um, policy regarding Brexit and the potential of leaving the EU, but I'm not, I, I'm not entirely sure I could trust him in such a thing when, when he has lied to the electorate so, so much. Well, I think um, one of the things I should give credit on here is uh, to, 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 the, to the government of uh, the past four years is 
is is for example, Mr. Garcia, the Dr. Garcia's uh, policy with regards to Europe has been lobbying, um, you know, for the past at least two or three years, and I, I've seen that in Brussels, and he's doing a very good job. Um, that is very important, I think. Uh, well, whether whether Britain leaves the EU or not, we've got to foster relations there in in Brussels and, and Europe as well. Um, it will have to be uh, done in a way that is unified. I think government and opposition, uh, wherever it is, when 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 the vote is taken, when the referendum is taken in in, in the UK and here about the Brexit, uh, will have to work together and and, and and obviously two brains better than one. All right, and nice. I completely respect the fact that you appreciate Dr. Garcia's efforts in building relationships with Europe because I think that's one of the key things that this government has to do. In the <clears throat> case of a Brexit, if that were to happen, Gibraltar must do the utmost to remain in the European single market so that we can still be involved in all the economic dealings with the European Union. And I think that Mr. Picardo has stated the intentions of Gibraltar to remain in the European single market, even if there was a Brexit. So I think at the end of the day, the economy is in very safe hands under Mr. Picardo, and he is doing his utmost, along with Dr. Garcia, to maintain relations in Europe so that we have the easiest possible solution if Britain were to choose to exit Europe. Well, taking into consideration the latest Brexit polls, which are really strongly in favour for the Brexit, I mean, I, well, I'm going to make that, I'm going to make that, well, potentially possible. <laughs> so there's about 50, 52, 48, something like that? Yeah, but the UKIP are running quite a strong campaign there. Um, I'm, I'm going to make the prediction now that there won't be a Brexit simply on the basis that it's gonna, it's not just gonna um, have effects on the single market that we should have access, that we would well, we still have access to, but it's the fact that it's also gonna affect all our trade deals with the 50 other countries that have um, trade deals with the EU. I mean, it's gonna be too much of a halt on the British economy as a whole, and I think just because of that fact alone, um, Gibraltar is gonna benefit from it, from the fact that we're not going to end up seeing a Brexit. Alright, so many people say that this election's biggest factor is trust. Who trusts, I'm sorry, who does the electorate trust in terms of finance, in terms of handling the finances, and in terms of handling all these other things? And I was wondering, do you guys think it played a major role, Brandon? To be honest, I think that what um, Mr. Joe Bosano is doing with the National Economic Plan, I think that he is doing a very good job with an increase of Minimally six hundred million pounds, and um, as he said in one of the hustings, he is prepared for one of these Brexits, and it's only going to increase, and we're only going to get more and more money, and we're going to be ready for a Brexit to occur. And how would you respond to the GSD's claims that the GSOP Liberals have been actually fiscally irresponsible in terms of credit finance and funding government projects through the GSP? Well. Uh, in the past four years, we've spent £2.6 million on the Ministry UK, and um, they've spent the same on 10 public toilets. So I'm afraid they're spending it on the wrong things, whereas we're spending it on the right things. Magnusing on the sort of inward investment aspect, and it is paying its dividends. I mean, you can see, like Brandon's been saying, that our economy is increasing. It's grown by £600 million in the last it's four years, rapidly, yeah. and that hasn't happened by miracle. I mean, this has happened because of very sensible economic planning by Mr. Bossano, sensible mm. economic planning that was actually outlined in the last manifesto, described as and impossible. was described as impossible by our opposition, and guess what? It came true. So I don't see how anyone could really question Mr. Bossano's economic achievements based on his past work, 
and based on his experience in this field. I mean, really. I mean, Jobosawa really interests me. I like his comments every day. He's very much a character in our party, yes. Yes. Well, I think we should move on to education now. And I'm wondering, what do you guys think? Well, obviously, there's a contentious debate with regards to the Brooks School. I remember Brandon posted something on Facebook and then Mark said something that wasn't very nice to him. I take issue here. He was defending his party. Both, both, both of them said this. some things that were kind of dirty, hence the dirty campaign. But I would like to ask Mark first, do you think we would be better off with a Rook school in the next four years? Very much so. Um, I think that uh, the Rook school is, is a, was a fantastic policy. Um, and this is one of the things we've got to discuss now as a party, is, is it the policies that, that they rejected? I, I can't think that it was, because this, this, this flagship policy, I the, Rook, the, Rook palace, the, the Rook policy, uh, would move education to a whole other level uh, than what we used to in Gibraltar. It would be an incredible progression, and it could possibly lead into also co-education, which I think, I think we, we really should uh, move on to at some point, or at least yeah. we should have moved on to already. I mean, one of the most prominent policies that came from the GSD, in my opinion, in terms of education, wasn't the Rook relocation, it wasn't that, but actually it was with regards to the fact that they wanted to do a review of the entire education system in Gibraltar. I mean, I've been, I've asked both um, Daniel Fitam and Fabian Picardo what they think about the current education system and how students are currently not learning things that are going to help them in 10 years' time because the economy is changing so quickly, but rather we're learning things that are five years old, 10 years old, and we're learning them for a test. We don't, we're not learning them because they're going to help us later on. We're learning them to get a good grade, to get a good, um, to get a good job, supposedly. But we're not, going to, not even going to be prepared for that. And I think that a review of the national curriculum or a review of at least what's going on in Gibraltar in terms of school was a great idea. But what do you guys think was the most prominent part of the GSLP's manifesto? And what do you think is the number one part of it in terms of education innovation. Well, I want to just to add before we start talking about education that the GSLP has always been focused on education. True. I mean, yes. we can take it back to the very first GSLP government. We were the ones that introduced the uni grants and since then we've just been pioneering the whole field really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was what we, what we focused on in that um, sort of parliament and now we're carrying on. I mean, as you can see how far our policies from there have gone, we've still got 900 students studying abroad based on a whole grant thing that we put into place in um, 1988, but nowadays, if we're going to focus on the present, I would still say that education is the centerpiece of our manifesto. Definitely. I mean, we're renovating many schools. We're going to do a renovation at Bayside. We're going to do a renovation at St. Martin's, which was very carelessly and perhaps callously ignored by our opposition. <laughs> and just generally, I think that education is one of our main points, and it is something that our party has always stuck by. Uh, Chris, um, one one thing I must mention is that. I couldn't agree about um, education being a main point and a good point in the GSLP's policy when they believe that demolishing half of Bayside and building a new Bayside beside it, whilst we are supposedly still in Bayside, is a good idea. <laughs> well, Brandon? To be honest, I think that uh, <coughs> most of the work is going to be done during summer, and then it's not going to be finished during summer because we're not all <laughs> incredible like that but after 3.30 everyone's going to start building after 3.30 and um, so the same thing about the trade center I was just yeah, going to in Charles Bousson house Charles Bousson house is going up very quickly and that's being done after 3.30 
And um, to be honest, we've got a record for. But the government for sort of well. say that um, the World Trade Center and Archbishop Amigo household are being done after yeah. three thirty, but yeah. this isn't mm-hmm. strictly true. Well, the opposition well, are kind of complaining that about Danny Peaton said that we have we had to cancel about ten classes. He said in Bayside because of the World Trade Center going up mm-hmm. next door. But uh, then again, around the supposedly plan that he wants to make about the Rook School. Uh, all around the Rook School, we have houses all around it. The Leisure Centre, Edinburgh, Chilton Court. There will be it. so much disruption to those areas. If he's making a he's making a complaint about what's happening in the World Trade Centre and how we're complaining so much, but all around Rook School, there's going to be complaints all around the same ones. Twenty five meters away, it's exactly the same. <coughs> well, that's completely different because um, the car park, for example, if this is where the logic fails here. The car park, uh, which is now being built now. Um, has incredible noise pollution in that area where there's lots of residents and stuff. Um, now, if if they can handle that, um, the rook will not be will definitely not be that much because the rook already has class, it already has rooms. It, it's, it's very very um, kind of little compared to the car park. What kind of work will be carried out there? But um, on, on the point of 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 classrooms being disrupted, you know, I, I think all of us in the stream have been victims of that. Um, <laughs> yes, and, of course, and, and, and te- teachers are obviously very anxious with this, and, and they've, they've, you know, they've probably issued their complaints as well. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't get classrooms cancelled because of the of because of the building <laughs> progress in in the Rook site at all, because there's no schools there. Yeah, I just no. add that it is the government's policy to obviously build as much as they can and just to make the best community possible, which means that perhaps sometimes there'll have to be small sacrifices made in the quest for a, like higher progress. So perhaps one or two classrooms will be disrupted for the sake of having <coughs> Archbishop and the house looking beautiful. And on top of that, the government can't always be in control of everything that's happening everywhere at every time. I mean, there was that one day, which I do admit there was quite bad noise pollution. But that day, we've actually been told that the government <coughs> had actually issued the, to the company constructing Archbishop of House not to build between 9 and 3.30, and they'd gone against those orders and built that day. So it was actually the government that was really offended by that move as well. I mean, I don't think you can tar them with the brush of just one incident like this. The World Trade Center as well is done by external building factors as well. It's very... Yes, but the government can govern when the works are being done. But apart from that... You mentioned that it's good that it's the government's um, policy or sort of duty to um, make sacrifices in certain parts of of the community for others, you know, for the greater good. So, are you saying that it's a good? It, it was a good move. Um, sorry, are you saying that it was a good move to sacrifice the education of those in Saint Mary's School for the building of for the renovation of Number Six? Well. <coughs> I'd just like to add that before we mention number six, number six was a very necessary extension to the government's facilities. It's not like exactly Mr. Bigarbo was building a swimming pool and like perhaps a leisure area <laughs> in number six common place. He was building an extension which includes law courts and other <clears throat> facilities that were essential to the government at the time. And yes, the story of St. Mary's is quite sad, but equally, under your government, there were law courts being built right next to St. Mary's as well, and those caused equal noise pollution. So perhaps we could say that your government was sacrificing the needs of the children in St. Mary's for the sake of their own good. Personally, coming back to uh, what Mark said about the complaints around classes, I didn't mean classrooms, I meant uh, people living around the area, not, not classrooms. Uh, 
and the World Trade Center is classed is the opposition is saying that ten classes had to be cancelled due to the noise pollution in the World Trade Center, and I'm saying that the same complaints are going to be made by residents of the estates that are around the supposed road, <coughs> and um, sometimes when it's I don't know when it's about forty different complaints from around the rook area from different estates, I think it's supposed to be treated as a much more serious matter than just maybe I think it was five or six classes that had to be cancelled. But who's to say that the people of Glassy's estate, Trade Winds and Ocean Village won't complain about the building of Bayside School in St. Anne's? Oh, Zinga. Alright, <laughs> so we understand education is important and I think, in my opinion, this election is focused on education, which is great, but we focus too much on relocation and renovation. They still haven't focused on, well, they haven't focused enough on the fact that the current education system is completely flawed. Mark wants to say something? Well, I think, yes, um, I, I agree with you, but I think the GST policy of, of equalising subjects for, for males and females, male and female students, so that, for example, males can do economics in school, females can do sociology, or what have you, you know, yes. so that there's, there's equality in education. That would have been a great achievement for us to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, I think that's a very, very important thing to have gender equality, especially with subject choices at A level. I'm, I'm not going to oppose that in any way. I think that's something that our government should definitely consider to implement because it is something that's very important. That that doesn't go to what I'm saying. That doesn't answer what I'm trying to put forward. I'm saying that currently we aren't taking advantage of the innovations that have come forward in education. And I understand maybe there are reasons for that in terms of the tied curriculum to um, what we have in Britain. But, but I think that in Gibraltar at least, a place that expects exceptionality and excellence, like um, Fim Picardo said in my interview with him, he said he expects excellence of himself and he expects excellence of the entire country. Well, in my opinion, I, I would agree with him and you should expect excellence from the education system, which means going above and beyond rather than staying with these average um, systems in place now, where students are currently, not, they're not learning, they are actually trying to pass exams and that's about it. But as, as you said, that was mainly down to the fact that we're tied to the UK's education system. We don't really have the necessary powers to change that. To be honest with you, I think that our pass rate is actually very good compared to those in England. And um, to be honest, many boys in Bayside find it quite easy to pass core science, for example, as a subject, as yes. not many people do well in England, and the uh, average is a lower. But what I'm trying to say is that the Rook as a school will change the system to the system that we have now. The, the system will completely change. And the truth is the, the truth is that the system that we have now is the only system that is gonna work in Gibraltar. Because if the Rook if the opposition does get into government and does make the Rook school, it is going to be a nightmare. The, there is no way that so many students will be able to leave the same type of life. And then we have one of the candidates of the GSD saying that the solution to that is you should walk to school. That to be honest, that is it is insulting. It is insulting. I understand that's an issue that's really Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's just it's a very bad idea. It's a very bad idea. Don't don't get me wrong, it's a very bad idea for Gibraltar. If if I was in another country, I would love it. England, America, it's an amazing idea 
for places like that. But the truth is, in a place like Gibraltar, it's just it's it's impossible. Uh, and apart from that, uh, we've got Bayside and Westside. So between Bayside and Westside, how many heads of English do we have? For example, we have two. Yeah. Two heads of English. Yeah, so what are we gonna do? Are we gonna are we gonna are we gonna fire teachers? Are we gonna have two heads of English? Are we gonna have Brook School? Half of it is Bayside and half of it is Westside. What's the point of that? Mark. Well, Chris. so I mean, uh, that's gonna be much on that, but now that you've raised it, <coughs> um, would you be would your party indeed yeah. be in favour of having co-education at all levels? If it was, I, think I don't uh, think, I think he. I, 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 sorry, I don't I think, think he can speak the on no. behalf no. 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 of this party. But, but, but this, this is what I'm trying to make. This is what, um, uh, the reason I ask is because I'm trying to make a point here that the the rooks, the rook, not just the rooks side, but the, the education policy from uh, as a whole from the GST, I think was very very sound because it was one of the most progressive policies that we've seen. I think for a long time. Okay. Not in Gibraltar. Yeah. Right. Right. Education would be a great thing, like I said, but it has to work logistically. Mm-hmm. And my point is that Rook would be a logistical nightmare, as we previously said. And I think, honestly, I think you could look into a number of sociological studies. I really don't think that the <clears throat> the differences between single-sex education and co-education are different enough to, for us to warrant such a change, such a radical change in the educational system, just for the sake of one small thing. Co-education, personally, I think that co-education will only work as what the GSLP are going to try and introduce, and I'm sure they will introduce as they deliver everything. Two separate schools? No, not two separate schools, but A-levels being provided for both Bayside and Westside. And if you want to do this specific A-level, Bayside students can do it in Westside, and Westside students can do it in Bayside. Mm -hmm. And that's how... That's the only way that co-education is going to work in Gibraltar. It's a form of co-education, and that's the only way that it's going to work, because as repeating what I've said before, it is practically impossible to create. It's, it's an amazing idea, but it's impossible in Gibraltar. It just can't be done. All right, so I just want to go back to my last point, and that is we are all individuals that are under 18, um, aside from Mark, but we've, we all experience things in school, and we, we go to lessons, and in my opinion, I mean, from what I've seen so far, there is a consensus that we are currently not learning in school with the GCSE system. I'm not proposing that we change the GCSE system, but there are small reforms that could be put in place that would actually not change the system currently, but add different um, things. For example, in the States and Finland and in many other places with extremely successful education systems, they are introducing emotional intelligence lessons, which is something that when you have it from the bottom up, you can actually reduce bullying, for example, or you can actually have a more compassionate citizenry as they get older. Another, another example would be learning how to learn. Currently, we're taught repetition is the key to learning something. BS. That is not true. <laughs> the truth is, it's about taking advantage of our visual memory, taking advantage of using past memories and experiences. I mean, Mr. Picardo said in the interview, he spoke about introducing kinesthetic learning and experience-based learning, which is understandable. That, that At least he's doing something about that, and they want to do something about that. But that's going to take a while, and I know the GSD also wants to do something about that. I am coming from a neutral perspective here. Mm-hmm. But I just want to know, would you guys agree that currently, I mean, you guys finished your GCSEs last year, both you, um, Brandon, and Max. Yeah. Yeah. Would you agree that, well, answer this question for me. Do you remember most of the things from, say, 
your history exams, or no, better yet, your RE exams. Well, to be quite honest, I've got history and RE at A level, so they probably no. weren't the two best choices. Right. Then but if we were uh, to use another the subject, core science. science. Core science. science. Okay, let's, let's say science for argument's sake. <coughs> I don't like science, and I haven't gone on to do it at A level. And to be honest, if I were to sit a GCSE science exam right now, I probably would fail. Uh, on the basis that yeah. I, there's a consensus that a, there's a, there's a consensus. you are not yes. learning for the future you're learning for next for week when test. you have that exam so you can get that A and it looks like you're good at it no mm. in, my, in my opinion that's a fundamental flaw that is there with the GCSE system and that's why I would introduce the learning to learn and yeah, I do agree classes. I do agree with what you're saying but then again at the same time you need to pass that uh, core science test and you will only remember it if you're going to go further with it and do something scientific at A-level and then have an occupation as a scientist, for example. But if you're just... You need that paper and you need that result and you need that pass in order to carry on to A-levels. But the truth is, if I'm not going to do anything in the future, anything to do with science, for example, I'm going to learn what I have to do in order to pass that test, in order to carry on to A-levels. But then as soon as I pass that science, I'm just going to forget about it. And then yeah. I'm going to focus on the three or four A-levels that I have to focus on, which will then be watered out to what I want to do in university and then to my future. And I'm not going to be into, I'm not going to be an, uh, a lawyer, an accountant or whatever I become and remember what I did for course science. See, this is, this I, is I agree with what you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, it's a matter of, I, I personally think that it's a matter of remembering what you need to remember. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Uh, a lot yeah, of uh, I agree with you. A lot time. of people. A lot of people do just learn what they have to learn for the exam, and then a week after the exam, they don't remember it. But that is because that does have a reason behind it. So uh, I, I think I've got to. I'm sorry, but I can't help myself. I'm going to go back to what Brandon said uh, before um, about it being a logistical nightmare. But very quickly, very quickly, uh, uh, having it at the rook site. But really, what he describes what we have now is a logistical nightmare because you have kids. Uh, going students going from Westside to Bayside to do their own subjects and they go late and they you know or the college whatever anyhow so on to on to your most recent question um, this is this is a bit of an existential crisis for education as a whole um, I well, think that that's well because it's a, it's a tautology to say you know experience based learning because that's that's how you get it that's how you learn to experience so it it really doesn't make uh, much sense I want to say though that the GSC policy you're talking about about local politics. The um, GSC pol- policy of, of a careers advice service, we have dedicated civil servants uh, to, to, to provide this, this careers advice, is one of the ways that we can actually do what, what, Brandon, what Brandon wants us to do in, in, in terms of uh, get, make sure we know what, what we need to know and we, we know what our talents are as, as, as students and, and where we can actually direct them. Alright guys, so I wanted to discuss education. We're closing out though. Quickly. You don't have the rest of I wanted to discuss the environment. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. But we're just to finish off education. I would like, like to Max to, finish. To, a, to a, an issue we've already mentioned today, an issue about trust. And I think one of my key issues with the Rook facility was that it was overshadowed in the interview given by Elliot Phillips where he claimed he'd consulted with the GTA on the proposal to build Rook. Yep. This was later revealed the next day, the very next day, on the GTA Twitter, that this was a lie. And this blatant lie to the electorate was one of these things that doesn't really instill trust in a party. If they're going to lie to us about this, what else could they lie to us about? I mean, really? Mark? Well, not credit finance, and not, 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 the, not the, the spending of loans into Sunborn, uh, into the owners of Sunborn. Look, uh, uh, two zingers. Wow. Uh, uh, at least he hasn't lied in Parliament about where four hundred million pounds plus is going. 
Alright, okay. Well, this case, <laughs> some partisan opinions on one side and on the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys for coming on and I hope you guys come again sometime. As I truly enjoyed it. it, it was brilliant. Now, I would like to cap off with one last statement and that is a big and bold thank you to everybody that has listened to this podcast in, over the past month. Anybody that's given feedback to this podcast over the past month. So thank you for listening. Thank you for contributing. And thank you for the marvelous feedback. Goodbye.